The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got a lot to get you caught up on on today's show. I was out last week, a little under the weather. I'm feeling better now. KP is out this week, so it's just me and Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., so let me welcome him in. We're going to start today with the hearings that, I don't know, have they wrapped yet? Or are they still going on? They might still be going on. Um, I was kind of following along earlier, but I've been out of the loop the last couple hours or so. Uh, it's uh, between... The Washington Commanders, Roger Goodell, obviously testified at this uh, congressional committee hearing, and it was actually reported earlier this morning that Congress Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney announces she is issuing a subpoena for Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder to testify in a deposition next week. Now, this is obviously a big deal because Daniel Snyder was just refusing to show up uh, after they they requested that he showed up to testify. Roger Goodell uh, just zoomed in or, or something. And we can kind of get into that a little bit, Justice. There was a lot of kind of absurdities going on in this hearing, but it's also a pretty monumental moment because he released ahead of time a six page statement that he read to begin the hearing. And what I kind of took away from, from reading through those documents was that it's really seems like the NFL is trying to put some distance between themselves and Daniel Snyder, which could inevitably lead to them trying to force him out as the owner of the Washington commanders. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Snyder has been a, a headache for him, right? Like even thinking about, you know, last week when all the stuff came out about uh, the world cup, and, you know, where some of the locations are going to be, you know, to host those games in America. Um, D.C. was, I believe, the second largest city not to uh, receive a game behind Chicago um, in terms of their metro area. And their bid didn't even include, you know, a, a stadium in the DMV area, really, because, you know, Balt- Baltimore was going to end up hosting it. Uh, the actual games and DC was just going to host the events. I mean, at the end of the day, I think from the NFL's perspective, beyond just the bad PR that comes 
with the actions that Snyder has, right? The consequences are you're in a massive market in the capital of the United States and the local politicians will not budge at all in terms of getting you an NFL caliber stadium because your ownership is just pissing off so many people based off of his actions, right? So I, I think that's probably the main reason um, the NFL cares about that just in terms of like uh, putting a dollar amount on it. But the story isn't going to go away anytime soon. Like it only seems like it's going to escalate. Obviously, people made it out to be a circus. People were asking uh, Roger Goodell about baby formula and stuff like that, and he just like open hand, just like well, what do you what do you want me to say about that? Yeah. Um, but it seems like the people who really care about this care about this a lot, and you know it is local for them, right? Like it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Like Washington Post is going to keep covering this stuff. Congress is still going to keep uh, reading headlines about it and saying, like, we have to take some actions about this. So I think Snyder's days are numbered and they have been numbered ever since, you know, his, his wife, you know, had to take over uh, control of the team, basically. Remember that that's how that ended up going, going down when the punishment came down. It's basically she is supposed to be running the team. And then, you know, they've had, uh, reports coming out that like hey maybe he's not following those rules so like maybe that's what ends up being being the nail in the bed for him well and that was the big thing with Goodell's statement because he was going out of his way to say Dale Snyder has not been in a position of power since last year like we've removed him from this and he's not involved in any of this but then the U.S. House Oversight Committee released a 29 page memo on its findings saying that they have proof that Daniel Snyder conducted a shadow investigation within his organization based on all of the allegations. Like, I don't want to give the NFL too much credit here um, because basically Daniel Snyder is just a sinking ship. And now after years and years of fostering his toxic behavior and just kind of brushing things under the rug, now they're finally like, okay, it's gotten bad enough that we got to distance ourselves from him. So it took years, years uh, of him being just an awful NFL owner, uh, an awful workplace manager, CEO, president. I don't think anyone likes him. Yeah. I I, I don't think his colleagues like him. I don't think the NFL likes him. His fan base surely doesn't like him. The locals, the local, you know, locals and local politicians don't like him. The national politicians don't like him. I I, I think it's just a waiting game of like, he's going to trip himself up at some point and then we'll be able to sell this team. Yeah, and now that he's been subpoenaed to appear, I would imagine that he's going to show up. Um, you know, I'm I'm not qualified to speak on what the lamb. Daniel Snyder on the run. I'm I'm not qualified to speak on what the consequences are if you ignore a subpoena to appear before the U.S. House Oversight Committee. But I would imagine that there's probably pretty significant consequences if you choose not to show up. So. We'll continue to monitor this situation. It, it is a, a huge deal, and, and it feels like it's inevitably going to lead uh, to a split between the NFL and Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder. And I, I think that that's, uh, that's something that Washington Commanders fans should be happy about because he's been one of the worst owners in the NFL for a long time now. But something that also was announced yesterday, attorney Tony Busby announced in a statement that all but four cases against Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson reached a confidential settlement agreement. 
Once the paperwork is finalized, those 20 cases will be dismissed while they continue to work through the remaining four. So, you know, I'm I'm happy for the women in this circumstance that they got their settlement and they were able to come to an agreement on a number that they said, this is something that we're comfortable taking and, and just being done with this part of our lives and being done with Deshaun Watson. Now we'll see where the other four go and how long that takes. I would have to imagine they'll inevitably kind of head down the same path and then we'll wait and see how the NFL reacts to this. There's been, after this was reported yesterday, there was a lot of speculation that, you know, it, it's going to lead to still a suspension from Deshaun Watson, but maybe not a full season long suspension like most of us were assuming. I still th- think the NFL, especially with everything they're dealing with, Daniel Snyder and, oh, I didn't even mention the John Gruden lawsuit that they're dealing with and the Brian Flores lawsuit that they're dealing with. Like, I, I still believe that they have to make an example here and that it's it's inevitably going to lead to Deshaun Watson being suspended for the entire upcoming season, but we, we just don't really know. And we've been wrong about this stuff with the NFL a lot of times. Yeah. I think all we know is a suspension is coming, right? Like a suspension of some sort is coming again. The, the parallel is probably not what some of these suspensions have been in the past in the NFL, but the fact that, you know, the MLB suspended Trevor Bauer for two full seasons, basically. Um, so that, that sets kind of a precedent for American sports. So the, the NFL, if they want to look serious about this type of stuff, um, they're going to have to do something. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the other four. I mean, don't definitely don't want to single out individual cases or anything like that, but a lot of, uh, what was it? Two of the women, I believe came out after, uh, the HBO situation where they were like, yo, after this, I, I can't. Uh, I can't stay silent. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, go to the finish line and, you know, fr- from a legal perspective. Yeah. We'll we'll continue to see how this plays out. Um, you know, I, I do agree with you that I think the one thing we know for sure is that Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended. We'll, we'll just wait and see um, if it's going to be the entirety of next season, or if it's going to be something where the NFL says like, Oh, we, we got all it settled now. Let's just get him back out on the field um, and, and see where it goes from there. Cause people forget about it. If he starts playing like a superstar quarterback or something like that. So we'll see how this stuff inevitably plays out. But another big story from this week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end, New England Patriots tight end first ballot hall of fame tight end. Rob Gronkowski announces that he is officially retiring from the NFL. Um, now his agent says that he thinks that, if Brady calls him in the middle of next season, he might come back or he might come back sometime in the near future. But it feels like for now, there is some finality to Rob Gronkowski officially retiring from the NFL and hell of a career. I I do think that Gronk is the most physically gifted tight end who's ever played the position in football. And even last season when he was dealing with injuries and stuff, when he was on the football field, he was still an absolute menace. Like he's just a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, he takes a beating. I, I don't blame him for taking every other year off at this point, right? Like the, the way he plays just from a physical perspective, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the to your point, first ballot Hall of Famer, I mean, I don't think anyone who's ever put up the receiving production that Gronkowski's put up can match what he does as an inline tight end that can block, right? Like the fact that he's basically an unbalanced tackle who can also put up, you know, Travis Kelsey type of numbers as a receiver if you want to feed him 
is what really separates him from everyone else. I know there's probably some people, I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time where it's like, Hey, Tony Gonzalez, right? Like Tony Gonzalez was more, a more prolific pass catcher, but I think as an all around tight end and, you know, just a football player that you would want Gronk is number one. Yeah. I I think from a physical standpoint, I don't think that there's ever been a, a player at that position who is just, is physically dominating in every aspect at the tight end position, whether it was blocking, catching passes, whatever. Like Pete Gronk was just an absolute, absolutely unstoppable force. And like you mentioned the injuries, he's had so many injuries and surgeries and stuff at this point. Like I'm sure that his body is hurting, but he's basically just a cyborg, like who's still running out onto the football field and being dominant at this age. And after taking multiple seasons off. So, uh, you know, we salute you, Gronk, as you head off into the sunset. We'll see if you do. Do, do you think he'll? Uh, do you think he'll sign with Miami when Brady goes down there next offseason? <laughs> so that that I think is probably a stronger case than him returning this season. Like, takes another year off. Brady goes to Miami, and he's like, he's like, Gronk, I got, I got a place for you on South Beach. We we got control. They gave me ownership in the team, so I really call the shots here. You don't got to practice. You don't got to show up to training camp, whatever. Just show up and score touchdowns for me. And I think Gronk would be like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Gronk calling his own shots multiple times is very funny, right? Like they tried to the, – the funniest part of Gronk's career to me still is when they try to trade him to Detroit. And he was like, you can't trade me. I'm retired. <laughs> he was like, you, you simply cannot. I won't allow it. And then he called his own shot. He got to go down to Tampa, play with Tom. The other thing too is – Remember when Brady retired and everyone was like, it's very weird that he barely even mentioned the Patriots, right? Like it felt like a retirement from the Buccaneers and not a retirement from the NFL. All the Gronk stuff was like all Buck stuff, like all the all the graphics and stuff that he was posting. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally bought in that this is the end of Gronk, but I guess for now he's going to take a rest, which he probably deserves. Yeah, and – it, it was weird that both of them, like both of them have that relationship towards the Patriots organization. I'm sure that'll be something that they work on over the years because I mean, they have to be inducted as Patriots. Like they've had a hell of a run in Tampa Bay, but they have to be inducted in the hall of fame as new England Patriots. So uh, Gronk at least retired for right now, but the main thing we wanted to get into on today's show after we got you caught up on the news we are going to predict our 2023 playoff teams, highlight some teams that were in the postseason last year that we don't think are going to be able to make it this season and, and kind of pr- predict who we think the top seven seeds in each conference are going to be. So the AFC, which is where we're going to start, obviously loaded. And I'll start with my seven seed justice. I'm picking the Las Vegas Raiders and there's going to be a common theme here. There's going to be some AFC West teams on this list. And I think the Raiders are just barely going to sneak into the playoffs because I think that they have truly improved, obviously adding Chandler Jones, uh, Devonte Adams, like they're, they're going to be a much better football team, new coaching staff, uh, whether you have faith in Josh McDaniels or not, I think he's going to do good things for Derek Carr, who has actually improved quite a bit and become a much more consistent, like passing threat over the last couple of years. I just think the Raiders are going to be a problem, but that AFC West is so stacked that I think those teams are just going to absolutely beat up on themselves. And so I still think the Raiders are a playoff team, and that's why I think I've got them at the seven seed just barely sneaking in at the bottom of the AFC. Yeah, I like it. Um, 
I, I like them more than Denver. Uh, and I think, you know, this, this whole podcast has kind of been on record in terms of that. It'll be interesting to see what year one Josh McDaniels looks like, right? Like just how much growth in terms of him being a head coach there has been since the last stint. But when Hunter Renfro is your third option as a pass catcher, you're always in a pretty good spot. Um, I agree with you with Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr, I think is like wherever that second tier of quarterbacks is, Derek Carr is in that, right? Like that, that borderline, like top 10. I don't think there's that big of a gap between a guy like a Derek Carr and like a Joe Burrow, even though people talk about them very differently. Um, I'm not saying he's, you know, an all pro candidate or anything like that, but Carr has been a little bit more consistent than people give him credit. So if you're able to pass, you know, on, on the offensive side and then on the defensive side, you got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, you can get after the passer. You can you can win some ball games real early on just by that, right? Yeah, and the Raiders still have some question marks on that defensive side of the ball, but yeah, I just think that pass rush, which was one of the best pass rushes in the NFL last year with Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, it's just going to be better in my opinion yeah. with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, and I, I just think that they're going to give a lot of teams problems. Um, I, I'm pretty high on the Raiders, and I, I don't I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that this is the best team that Derek Carr's had around himself, like in his entire NFL career. Like I know they had, they had easily his best receiver and it's not like they've had a tight end better than Waller before. So yeah. And yeah, that offense is, is ready to produce. So I I really like the Raiders in the upcoming season. It's just that tough AFC West. Uh, My sixth seed in the AFC I'm going with the defending AFC champion, the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't even have them winning the division coming off of a Super Bowl birth season. And we talked about this a ton uh, with the Bengals playoff run. And, you know, they got hot and, and they were able to put it together and make it to a Super Bowl. But in my opinion, they were still overperforming in a lot of ways. And they have gotten better this offseason, especially along the offensive line, which was the biggest issue and deficiency for this team that went on a Super Bowl run last year. And you think, you know, Joe Burrow, another year removed from ACL injury with a, uh, be- with the best offensive line he's had so far in his career and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Joe Mixon and that offense. Like you think like, Oh, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be right in the thick of things. But I just think the AFC North is, is is a lot better than we have talked about because we spent so much time talking about the AFC West. And I just don't know as a whole compared to the rest of the AFC that they've gotten enough better to where last year's roster, basically with the slightly improved offensive line is going to be enough to carry them in the toughest conference in football. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the Bengals during the regular season were killing anyone, right? Like they started off three and one, um, but it's not like we were talking about them as, a Super Bowl contender until they actually went on that run, right? I, I think the biggest things to watch for the Bengals, and I do like them kind of in this six seed range. Lyle Collins at right tackle, right? He hasn't been super consistent the past couple of years, but this should be a massive improvement for them. So, like, what does he look like early on, even potentially like in the preseason? And then the the secondary, they added a bunch of guys. So, uh, Cam Taylor Britt was a second round pick, the corner. Dax Hill, the first round pick. He's, you know, like a safety slot hybrid, really. Like, he's going to find a way on the field no matter what position you end up calling him. Tyson Anderson is a fun player, I thought. Uh, they took him in the fifth round. So they have a lot of, uh, you know, young guys in the secondary. Plus, you know, Jesse Bates is still on that franchise tag, which is, you know, we, we got like a month left of him 
being able to negotiate a long-term contract. So we'll see what that ends up looking like or if he gets traded or whatever. So I, I think there's still some moves for them to make. And this is just a young team. I think they're probably only going to get better uh, from last year, but that was an improbable run, right? Like the Raiders took them down to the wire. The Titans took them down to the wire. So it wasn't like this was promised. Yeah, it's just I look at the Bengals. I'm like, man, they're still so young and they could still be really, really good. And that offense should only get better, right? Like, and their offense was inconsistent at times. It's like, how, how much better can Jamar Chase get, though? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is he gonna? You, you think he's gonna break two thousand yards? Like, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and Chase was absolutely insane. But you're just like, he's so young, and they could just get better. But when I mean, you look at the landscape of the AFC, and my fifth seed, and this might upset some Arrowhead Pride uh, listeners and, and viewers, is the Kansas City Chiefs. I. Still have a ton of faith in the Chiefs. I still have a ton of faith in Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. And I do think, like, I, I'm talking myself into this defense uh, a lot more. Um, and, and we'll see as we get closer and closer to training camp. And I, I like the depth that they've accumulated at wide receivers. We'll see if somebody can step up and be that consistent playmaker or if they're just going to spread the ball around. And I, I do think that we're going to get good Andy Reid this year. I think Andy Reid is going to show up and be really creative this season and try to get back to doing some of the things that he was doing in the pre Patrick Mahomes eras that I, that I think is going to make everything easier for the chiefs. Again, it's just that, that division. And I just think that there's other teams in the division that are just better top to bottom than the Kansas city chiefs right now. So I don't think the chiefs are going to like, I think it's still going to be a close division race, but I think they narrowly lose out on the AFC West and their streak comes to an end and they wind up being the fifth seed in the AFC. I could see it. I mean, the Chargers are as good as anyone, right? Um, outside of, you know, head-to-head matchups, you probably put the Bills over them in the AFC, and then the Chargers are right there with them. And everyone in the AFC West has to go through a gauntlet. Plus, you're not talking about, you know, the seeding schedule and how that all impacts, right? So, like, I, I could totally see the Chiefs falling here, even if they are one of the top two or three most talented teams, you know, in, in the AFC. The, the big things I would watch for for Kansas City early on, I mean, I want to see what their wide receiver rotation looks like because I think that'll tell us a lot about what they want to do on offense. Like, if it's MVS and Juju out there a ton with Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, one of the things people didn't talk about last year, when Josh Gordon was out there, he was basically out there as a run blocker. Like, you could pretty much tell when they were going to run um, and, and use their wide receiver as run blockers because Josh Gordon was out there. If it's Juju MVS and like Gordon is getting in some reps with Miko Hardman, that tells me like they want to go like more RPO stuff, right? And and maybe that's what they need, right? We talked about all last season how great their scripts looked when when they were just like a, a focused team that was running, you know, dink and dunk passes basically down the field, controlled, and then it just sputters out of control at some point, like in the second half, and it just turns into backyard football. Seeing that offensively will kind of tell me the direction of the team. And then defensively, I think the big thing is just like Chris Jones is finally going to be able to play interior full-time again the entire season, which like that was a wacky experiment last year. Uh, They had to do it because they didn't have a lot of pass rushing depth. But like it's nice that you guys got Carloftis uh, so that Jones could play inside now full-time. 
Yeah, that experiment did not go well. Um, it's the Chiefs basically neutralized their best pass rusher by moving him outside last. Not season. just not just best pass rusher, like a top five interior lineman. Yeah, like the guy that you're paying millions on top of millions of dollars. Yeah, and, and it's just you know the Chiefs by far have the hardest schedule in the NFL too. Not even when you're factoring in how difficult the division is. Like they don't have a pushover win until November until like the middle of November when, when they face the Jacksonville Jaguars, like their schedule is absolutely insane. So I, I just think it's going to be a tough year, but I I'm never going to discount a, a Patrick Mahomes led football team. So I think they're still easily a playoff team. Uh, number four in the AFC, the Indianapolis Colts. And I don't even think we need to spend that much time on the Colts. I think the AFC South is just terrible and they're hands down the best team in the division, like like top to bottom. And I think Matt Ryan's going to be an improvement over Carson Wentz and the steps back that the Titans have, have taken this off season. I just think that the Colts are the clear favorite team in a weak division. I agree. Titans fans don't want to hear that though, right? They're just coming off of one seed. The, the interesting thing about the Colts to me that I'd really want to watch. I mean, defensively, they just have a lot of guys who have been able to, put up flash, right? But haven't been able to do it consistently. If they can get a couple more of those guys to hit more consistently, like if Stefan Gilmore looks like he's back and Yannick Ngakwe looks a little bit better as a run defender, Quiddy Pay takes that next step, that defense is going to be nuts, right? Um, but on the offensive side, what I really want to watch is how this passing game works, right? Like obviously you added Matt Ryan. Adding Matt Ryan to a Jonathan Taylor backfield with uh, Naheem Hines, and Philip Lindsay, that's great. But who's he going to throw to? Is it just Michael Pittman? Is Paris Campbell actually going to break out? Is Alec Pierce going to have a big rookie year? I mean, he's kind of more of a developmental guy. People were talking about him contributing on special teams a lot through the draft process before he ended up rising to a point that he was a second-round pick. So I still have a little bit of questions as far as the passing game goes. But the rest of it, you know, you you enjoy this team a lot. Like, there's not a lot. It, they're they're going to be a good – like baseline test for teams. Like if yeah. you can't do something, they're just going to exploit that. And I don't think that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are on the hot seat or anything like that. Like, I, I think they're both, I, I think Frank Reich's a good head coach. Chris Ballard's a good general manager, but at some point you need more than just being relevant. Like at some point you, you got to actually take a step forward. And I think this season, they, they've got a strong chance to do that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It, it's an easier division too. So I, I mean, they should easily win the AFC South. Uh, my number three team in the AFC, Baltimore Ravens. The reason I didn't pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win the division again and, and be one of those top four seeds is because I think we're sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens a little bit. I know there's question marks with the pass catchers and, you know, they let Hollywood Brown go. They don't really replace him with anybody and it's you're banking on Rashad Bateman and a lot of other guys who are really unproven pass catchers outside of Mark Andrews for Lamar Jackson, but he's going to get Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins back. And we've seen how vital those running backs can be for this Ravens offense before Lamar Jackson got injured last season. He was playing at the highest level of his career, like including his MVP season and their offensive line is going to be better. They made improvements along the offensive line. They're going to get Ronnie Stanley back. And I think their defense has a chance to legitimately be the best defense in football next season. And I think that's going to carry them as long as they can stay healthy. I think we're really sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens. They added high level contributors, right? In the first round, Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, obviously 
David Ojabo unless he makes some some type of miraculous recovery is not coming back at any point this season. But in the third round, they drafted Travis Jones, the nose tackle out of UConn, who a lot of people thought could sneak into the back end of the first round. And then the sneaky one is Daniel Fa'alele, the, the massive tackle from Minnesota. I, I don't know if he's going to play tackle for them. Um, he can't play really inside just because of his size. He's so massive that it'd be a tough task to ask him to play guard. I have a sneaky feeling these jerks are going to end up playing him at like fullback. <laughs> he ended up doing that a little bit at Minnesota. And if you get like a dude who is that big, you know, in the backfield with J- a healthy J.K. Dobbins and uh, Lamar Jackson running the option, how do you stop a 6'8", 380-pound fullback? Like it's just going to be impossible. It feels like if you get him in a goal line situation, this is just going to be an automatic touchdown for this team. And that's only going to bode well better for them. I, I do like their chances easily the best out of any of the AFC North teams. I, I think, you know, the Steelers, their quarterback situation is just going to hold them back, uh, plus their offensive line uh, situation too. And then Cleveland is just like the looming Deshaun Watson, right? Like question. It's like how, how many games is he actually going to end up playing? So if the Ravens can get two games against – uh, who's even the, the Jacoby Brissett? Is that the backup quarterback in Cleveland right now? Assuming yeah. that Baker or is going to be there. Baker? Yeah, one yeah. or two. I, I mean, whoever that quarterback is, Baker or Brissett, I mean, I, I like their chances in that. So if, if that's what puts them over the edge, I, I do like Baltimore as a well-rounded team more than a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, even though Baltimore has those questions with the pass catchers. Yeah, and you, you just look at, what they were able to achieve last season. And, and I know it, it fell apart, but like that's just NFL teams have those years sometimes. And there's just nothing you can do about it except keep trying to win every single week. And I mean, they didn't have corners like, last year. Yeah. Like, like they legitimately ran out of corners. <laughs> yeah. Like their secondary totally fell apart and they're getting all those guys back. They improved the secondary even. And yeah, they're still going to be, some pass rush question marks there, but they're just such a well-coached team. And, and I, I think they've got enough depth and talent that they're going to be right in the mix there. I, I really love Baltimore this upcoming season, but my number two team, and you already mentioned them, they're going to be the AFC West winners, in my opinion, the Los Angeles chargers. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk this off season about Justin Herbert and yeah, he's great or whatever, but he hasn't won anything yet. And he hasn't made the playoffs and I don't think, you know, I, I know Justin Herbert had some struggles um, kind of at the tail end of last season, but his defensive line was the worst defensive line in football. It was a straight up liability every single week. They could not stop anyone to save their lives. Like every single team, like all you had to do was just hand the ball off and you could run all over them each and every week of the NFL season. And that is going to be better this season. They've gotten better everywhere that they needed to get better. It And you know, I, I would have liked to have seen them grab uh, another speedy wide receiver because I think they need another deep threat. But so far in their mini camp, everybody's raving about Joshua Palmer. And so maybe he's going to take a big leap for them in his second season with the Chargers. I just think that Justin Herbert is that good. And, and I think this team's defense is going to be one of the best units in football. And and they've improved where they needed to improve. Like, I just think that there's enough there now with how incredible Justin Herbert is that they can actually be the top team in the AFC West. I just think the like, he hasn't won a game or a playoff game thing is so lazy, right? Like <laughs> Matthew Stafford wasn't a winner until he was a winner. Yeah. He's been playing football for 
25 years of his life. Like, what are we talking about? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, to your point, the pass catcher, like, obviously, it's not really a pass catcher issue. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen can obviously get some catches. It's more of like a do they have a deep threat kind of question mark, and then the right tackle situation. Obviously, they've added a ton of bodies to the interior defensive line, which is their big weakness last year. Um, but the right tackle situation still bothers me a little bit. So I guess we'll see how that ends up going. Yeah. And I, I just think too, that their secondary is, is going to be a legitimate problem. So good. For, if for... they stay healthy, I mean, knock on yeah. wood, like, and the, the whole thing about Derwin, right. It's just injuries, man. Like, please stay healthy. You're yeah. so fun. And my number one seed in the AFC, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone, especially with the way we've talked about them on this podcast is the Buffalo bills. Um, I, I think they're hands down best team in the AFC best top to bottom roster in football. We saw what Josh Allen was doing at the end of last season. And he's simply right now. It's, I, I think the argument is, you know, him, Mahomes, Rogers, top three quarterbacks in the NFL, ho- however you want to rank them. And he was playing at another level. And I, I think this team is going to be even better than they were last season, which, which is kind of crazy, but I think they're easily the best team in the AFC East. And, and yes, I, I'm not including the Dolphins in, in my AFC playoff rankings right now because I just don't have a lot of faith in them. But with the Bills winning the East, that leaves the Titans, Patriots, and Steelers out. It seems who made the playoffs this past season that I do not think will make it this year. I, I just think that Buffalo is going to be one of those teams where we saw the inconsistency with them at times last year, like losing to the Jaguars nine to six and what's one of the biggest regular season upsets in NFL history. I, I think they did enough this off season to make sure those kinds of things don't happen again. Like, I, I just think that when we watch them this upcoming year, we're just going to be like, yeah, that team's hands down the best team in football. Yeah. And I think James Cook is going to be a big deal for him. Like I, I know he was a second round pick and, running backs don't matter all that stuff but you look at like how jacksonville was able to beat buffalo and they basically just ran like third down blitzes at buffalo on first down like they're saying like hey you're not running the ball you don't have a true tight end you know in the game you know you're running all this spread stuff so we're just gonna blitz the hell out of you and if teams do that to buffalo now this year i think their answer now is james cook out of the backfield is gonna be a threat right so you know, either in the run game or in the pass game with, you know, five guys out, you know, running routes. So I think they kind of, they kind of fixed their weakness on offense, even though it's weird to say that they even had a weakness on offense. And then they add Von Miller and Kyrie Elam on defense. And it's like, oh yeah, this team is just going to be really, really freaking good. And then you look at the strength of all the other divisions in the AFC, the AFC East is easily the easiest path, right? I mean, outside of maybe the South. So I I think this really bodes well for them. The the other teams, you know, you talked about New England, Tennessee not not repeating. I thought it was funny New England is splitting their offensive uh, coordinator duties. You see that? Mm -hmm. It's Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Joe Judge is calling 7-on-7 and Matt Patricia is calling 11-on-11. I don't know how that's going to work in an actual football game. Tennessee is going through – all their issues, Traylon Burks uh, is like routinely missing practice at this point for like asthma issues and stuff. Cleveland is a big mess right now, obviously with the Deshaun Watson stuff looming. And then I think Denver, it's just, 
you're in a tough spot. You're you're in the toughest division we've probably ever seen in football. And you might have just spent a ton of assets to get Russell Wilson, and that might not be enough to make the playoffs, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, it's yeah, that division's absolutely insane. I just you look at the Buffalo Bills, like just coaching staff, and, and we'll see. I, I still have faith uh that their offense isn't gonna take like this massive step back, losing Brian Dable. Like that's obviously a, a, a big blow to what they were doing, but man, they're so talented. Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox, I think are legitimate studs. I'm a huge Gabe Davis fan. Like I think what we saw from Gabe Davis at the end of last season is going to transition to this season. Like I, I just think their offense has, has a chance to be one of those unstoppable offenses and the defense is just top to bottom. Just so, so good. So got a lot of faith in the Buffalo Bills in the upcoming season. Let's take a quick timeout uh, right now. When we get back, we'll run through our a- or our NFC 2023 playoff teams. That's coming up next on NFL University. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We are predicting our 2023 NFL playoff teams. It's a little early, but we're having fun uh, breaking down the top seven teams in each conference. So I begin the NFC and the NFC, I, I think, is harder to predict. It's it's not as top heavy as the AFC, where I think you can point to, you know, five, six teams in the AFC where you're like, all of these teams are playoff teams. Like, in whatever order you want to rank them, this team could be the one seed, this team could wind up being the sixth seed, and I don't think there's going to be a ton of gap there between those teams just because the conference is so good. The NFC is a little bit different, where I'm not as sold on some of these teams, but right now, if I had to predict it, this is the way I would put it. And my number seven team, wild card, Minnesota Vikings. And I'm curious how you feel about this, Justice. I just... I think moving on from Mike Zimmer is a good thing for the Minnesota Vikings. I think it's a good thing for Kirk cousins. And, you know, I think Dalvin cook is still an exceptional player when he stays healthy and can stay on the field. Uh, we've seen that Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, is on his way to be, you know, one of the top two best wide receivers in football. And, and he already looks like that in my opinion. And, you know, Adam Thielen is it, when he stays on the field, he's still finding ways to be productive each and every year. And, The defense is probably going to be a little hit or miss this season, but they made some improvements there. And with the new coaching staff, I think all of that is just going to mean positive things. And I think they needed to move on from Mike Zimmer. They just needed to change things up. And it's making me confident that Minnesota can kind of squeak into the back end of the NFC playoffs. 
I mean, Zim didn't seem like he was having fun at the end of it, right? He was talking about Kellen Mond, and he's like, I've seen enough of Kellen Mond. He's like, he's a third-round pick, rookie. Like, what, yeah. what are we talking about? Didn't seem like he really got along with Kirk, and people have swung on both sides of Kirk so hard that it's, like, hard to even know, like, where the consensus on, like, where Kirk stands at this point in, in the minds of the average fan. But at some point, you're going to have to pick one of them, right? The, the way that I ended up laying out, and they obviously picked Kirk Cousins. I think where it might hurt him is on third downs. The the thing defensively I really want to know is, like, just what what do they have in the chamber? So, like, Andrew Booth, second-round pick, probably would have been the third cornerback off of the board if, if not for uh, hernia issues. Is he going to be healthy this year? Like, is he going to be able to perform this year? That's a big question to me. Lewis seen how fast can he translate to the NFL game. I loved his game. Um, I, I thought he was a huge value pick for them. If they end up getting him and, you know, what's left of Harrison Smith and what's left of Patrick Peterson and Andrew Booth looks healthy, that's a good secondary. That's a lot of ifs, though, right? That's a ton of ifs. Zadarius Smith, last time we saw him, he was like defensive player of the year caliber pass rusher. You got to move him around a little bit because you don't want him just hanging out on the edge. 24-7, but he just missed an entire season because of a back injury that he had surgery on, right? That's a massive question mark. So, like, I, I see the potential on the defensive side. I just kind of, like, need to see it for a couple of games before I'm totally comfortable with it. It is tough kind of projecting the back end of this NFC, right? Because if it's not Minnesota, it's going to be Arizona, which, like, feels like they're just getting like kind of worse or like the same every single yeah. season and they're about to pay everyone or like the saints which like obviously are taking a step back you know year by year with the loss of breeze and now sean payton so there's gonna be a pretty weak seven seed or at least one of the seeds in the nfc in my opinion just from a talent perspective yeah and that's kind of where i tended to pick the vikings just because like their premier talent you're like okay well the offensive talents there. Right. And, you know, and we'll see Daniel Hunter who just missed an entire mm -hmm. season uh, is coming back and hopefully he's going to be healthy for them. When he's on the field, he is a stud pass rusher. Like he, he is a problem for opposing offensive lines. So we'll see. They're also going to get tight end Irv Smith jr. Back who just missed all of last season, who I love Irv Smith. I think he's a really talented player and I would love to see him stay healthy and see, what he could, what role he could have in this offense. Cause I think he can be a playmaker for Kirk cousins and, you know, just having an offensive minded head coach now, uh, I think is going to work out for Kirk. And so that's kind of why I decided to go with the Vikings, but yeah, Kirk cousins is still like one play. He throws a beautiful dime touchdown pass. And then the next play he throws into triple coverage. And it's just an awful interception. Like Kirk Cousins is still that dude. He's always been that dude. But maybe with an offensive-minded head coach, like he'll he'll finally be in a position where maybe you can kind of limit some of those Kirk Cousins plays. Just wildly inconsistent is yeah. the only way to explain Kirk because there really is times he's operating in the gun and you're like, he's doing the same stuff Tom Brady's doing. Like he really is. Like from a progression standpoint, and then the next play he'll just like throw a slant into double coverage and you're like what like do you have eyes like is yeah. it, it's like a random number generator it's like almost like uh you know in the old madden games where you would watch you would like leave your controller uh just like you're doing something else and you leave your controller like on the couch right 
and you come back and the game is just like in a demo that's like in the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. Yeah. It's like watching one of those like computer quarterbacks just play against another computer. And you're like, this is just like random. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He, at times he makes plays where you're like, that's top 10 quarterback in the NFL right there. And then other times he just makes some of the most head scratching throws that that you'll see any starting quarterback in the NFL make. But yeah, that's Kirk Cousins entire career in a nutshell. Uh, My number six team in the NFC. And and again, uh, I I think these wildcard teams, especially the the last two teams in the NFC, I, I think there's a couple of teams that you can make the case for, but I selected the Dallas Cowboys and I think the Cowboys are noticeably worse this upcoming season than they were last year. Like just based on the amount of talent that they lost and shipped out. But I still have faith in Dak Prescott as a player. And, you know, we saw early on in the season last last year when he was healthy, like he was operating at such a high level as a quarterback that there was a case to be made. Like he's, you know, a top five quarterback in the NFL. And then, he got banged up. The offensive line kind of fell apart and, and they just had a lot of injuries and they they wound up really just kind of hitting a brick wall mid season. I still think there's enough talent on this team and on this roster for them to be a playoff team in the upcoming season. And I, uh, and I don't think the NFC East is stacked or anything like that. I just have my question marks about Mike McCarthy as I do each and every season. And I just don't feel like they got better in any way. And you know, we saw that when they were in the playoffs last season in that playoff game, it didn't look like they even belonged at that point in the year. And so I'm just questioning how the Dallas Cowboys have gotten better to truly say like they're definitively one of the best teams in the NFC this year. Yeah. I mean, RJ's talked about it, right. Where he was like, what are we doing? What are we doing in terms of like actually getting better this season? And this does kind of feel like a quiet rebuild, a quiet rebuild. I don't know if that's the right term. I don't I don't think reload is the right term, but I don't think like completely destroying it and rebuilding top to bottom is is the right term either. Like they're going to have to get over the Ezekiel Elliott contract at some point. What does Zeke look like? What does Tyrod look like? Those are my two big questions on offense, right? Where they get better, probably left guard. That's probably the one spot that they actually got better this offseason. We'll see if Jalen Tolbert uh, we'll be able to contribute as a third wide receiver there. I'm I'm just always iffy on like late day two rookie wide receivers. Like those guys usually don't end up producing year one. On the defensive side, it's going to be tougher for Micah Parsons to be able to move around, right? Like once you lose a guy like Randy Gregory, and I know they drafted Sam Williams. I don't love Sam Williams as a pass rusher. I didn't think that he was going to go in the second round. That was kind of surprising to me. Um the Demarcus Lawrence contract obviously hasn't totally panned out in their favor. I think they do it again, you know, knowing everything that they that they know now. But like, it's not like he's really outperformed that big time contract. And then you look at the secondary. Kelvin Joseph obviously has ongoing legal issues. Malik Hooker, who knows if he's going to be healthy or not, right? Like that's been his whole rap his entire career. And then Trayvon Diggs, like, is there going to be some aggression there? That's a lot of question marks, man. And I, I know I'm a bozo because I say all this, and then I'm like, they still probably should win the NFC East because they have Dak Prescott under center. Yeah. It's – well, and, and Micah Parsons too. Like, obviously he can get better, right? 
but mm. man, he was so good as a rookie. Like, oh, yeah. and it's going to be harder this year. Yeah. Cause you lost Randy Gregory and Randy Gregory was also really good last season. Um, and if they can keep Demarcus Lawrence healthy, we'll see if he can get back to that, that top kind of pass rusher that he was before. But it, it just feels like they spent big on a lot of key components on this roster that are kind of aging out now. And yep. like you mentioned, like it, it is kind of a, a soft rebuild where they're, it feels like they're kind of twiddling their thumbs a little bit. Like, I don't know. We feel like we're still a good team, but we don't really know what to do n- right now. Cause we're spending a ton of money and we don't have enough cash to, to really just kind of blow this thing up because we've got so much dedicated money to players like Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, we'll see what the Cowboys do, but I, I still think there's enough talent there for them to sneak into the playoffs. My fifth seed in the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers. And so I, I do think this is kind of where the line is, in, in my opinion, and and maybe you disagree with me, Justice, but in the NFC, like I think the Niners have at the positions that you need, I think the Niners have some of the best talented like overall roster in the NFL we just got to see what we got in Trey Lance. We got to see what they have. And and if he can truly, you know, develop as a pass rusher and looks like he can be their franchise quarterback. I I tend to think that there's going to be enough offensively with his athleticism and his, and his big arm and playmaking ability. I know there's accuracy concerns or whatever with Lance, but we know that he wants to extend the football down the field more than Jimmy Garoppolo did. So that's going to give them an opportunity. And We'll see with Debo. I assume Debo is going to be back with the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is a talented player. If George Kittle can actually stay healthy for an entire NFL calendar year, I think he's probably the best tight end in football over Travis Kelsey this upcoming season um, because we've just seen how dominant he can be when he actually stays healthy. And then I, and then I, there's, they still have the pieces along the defensive line. Like I still think that the Niners are really talented overall roster who are are coming off a run to an NFC title game. Like if Trey Lance hits, I I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that the Niners could do that again this season. Yeah. And they're going to have a lot of big time games early on in the year. So we're going to learn a lot about Trey Lance really early on. My big questions are really on the offensive side. So like defensively, they don't have a lot of big names in the secondary. A lot of guys who, have been banged up but are very talented, like Jason Verrett and Jimmy Ward. You know, obviously, like, it's kind of the same that it has been, you know, year to year with them. So I'm not really that worried about on that side of the ball, especially with the pass rusher that they have. But on the offensive side, like you mentioned, Kittle gets banged up. Debo, still an ongoing question. Trey Lance, what does he have in the chamber? The interior offensive line is, like, legit bad. Like, that might be one of the worst interior offensive line units in the league. Like, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Daniel Brunskill, Spencer Burford, the rookie that they just drafted in the fourth round, and Jalen Moore. I That's certainly not what they were operating with, with, like, Tomlinson and Mack and all those guys, you know, in previous years. So if they can't run the ball and Trey Lance is back there, you know, having to throw all the time, running around for his life, I could see this kind of spinning out of control a little bit. I kind of, this is, San Francisco is a team where I'm like, I want to see it first a little bit more than Dallas and Minnesota, just because I kind of know what they bring to the table in terms of like the offensive line and the quarterback situation. Well, and even last season, like we've seen the San Francisco team do this multiple times. I feel like over the last few years where, 
they really struggle mid season, but then they can kind of put it together by the middle of the year and, and like go on a run. Yeah. And Debo make- wasn't getting carries in week one, like he was, yeah. you know, at the end of the year. Yeah. So I, I think that that's that there could be a lot of growing pains for San Francisco early on, but I still think that the talent is there um, in, in the much weaker NFC overall. So I still think they can make the playoffs in the upcoming season. My four seed, Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East winner. I'm going in on the Eagles. And part of it is I think it's an easy division. Uh, I don't have any faith in the commanders. And I do think that the Giants are going to be better. Like, it's impossible for them to be worse than they were last year, in my opinion, uh, with the new coaching staff. And and I think the Giants will be a, a much tougher team to go up against but we'll still see what they have in daniel jones and if he can take any steps with brian dable as his new head coach but i just think that the eagles have done enough added enough pieces to this roster where i still have the questions about jalen hurts as a passer and we'll see what aj brown does for that we'll see what uh, another year for Devonte smith does and dallas goddard i think really made some strides last year for their offense and we saw that their running game was operating as one of the better units in the NFL. Once they started kind of dedicating to the run midway through the season. And they were like, okay, we can't pass the ball anymore. Like we just don't have the personnel to consistently uh, be a problem actually passing the football. And I, I think that they addressed those concerns enough this off season. And, you know, there's still some question marks with their secondary, but I, I think they added enough along the defensive line in the pass rush that that should be improved this upcoming season. I just like the Eagles, I think, top to bottom more than I like the Dallas Cowboys, who are the only team that I view as like a problem that could challenge them for the NFC East. Their offensive line is still great. A.J. Brown addition is huge. Dallas Goddard, true tight end, who I think is you know, going to be a star in this league fairly soon. The, the question mark for Jalen Hurts at quarterback is still ongoing, but like they're spoiling him with so many riches around him that like, you're going to get an answer yes or no if Jalen Hurts can take you to the playoffs this year or not, right? Or win you a playoff game at the very least. And then defensively, you mentioned it. Like, that defensive line is just nuts, man. Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett on the edges. On the interior, Fletcher Cox, uh, Javon Hargrave. They just drafted Jordan Davis. Mel Williams, the third-round pick from last year. I really like him. You know, Marlon Tui-Pelotu, their sixth-round pick from USC. He's a pretty good player, uh, I thought coming out of the draft and he's on the third line of their depth chart for their interior defensive line. Like that's how stacked they are there. If they can do that, the Kobe Dean gets some reps at inside linebacker somewhere. Um, and, and that front can kind of clear him up the same way that, you know, Jordan Davis did at Georgia. That'd be great for him. I, I thought safety was probably their weakest position going into the draft. They didn't do anything to address that at the draft, but they did just pick up uh, Jacuski uh, Tart which I think will probably be a big move for them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets playing time there. And then they made the late addition of adding James Bradbury at corner. So they're making these late summer moves, you know, to kind of add talent with veterans in the secondary. More power to them. I mean, I, I do think this is a more consistent team than like the Dallas Cowboys will be, if that makes any sense. I just think the quarterback difference is big enough for me to still take Dak, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Eagles make the playoffs. Yeah, and I I think what we've seen from Jalen Hurts is that like he can be a competent NFL quarterback. Now, whether he's truly like a franchise quarterback or not is what we're still trying to figure out with him. 
But if he can just improve a little bit as a passer and adding AJ Brown is going to be huge there, just, just add it to where he can be more consistent than he has been through his first two years in the NFL. Like, I think that's going to make a world of difference for their offense when it's not just the running game. You have to start worrying about these pass catchers for the Eagles as well. And yeah, AJ Brown's a, a huge, huge improvement there. Do you and know I'm, how old Jalen Hurts is? 26. 23. Is he really only 23 years He's younger old? than Kenny Pickett. Dear God. Yeah, I was way off. I had no idea he was that young. Yeah, so like that that's the thing with Hurts, right? Where it's like, okay, this is the year we probably kind of need an answer. But he's still just so damn young that you're like, yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising if he took a step up. Like, it yeah. really wouldn't. Like that, it, it definitely a wait and see team for me, the Philadelphia Eagles. Even though I think they're going to be consistent. I mean, if if Hertz is able to play like, I don't even know what a good comparison for Hertz is. Like, I get like the banged up Russell Wilson. Like at the end, of, like if he can play like that, this is going to be a top three seed team easily. Yeah, yeah. I just they they've made a lot of really good moves, and you know, similar to the Miami Dolphins. Like they're stacking the chips around Jalen Hurts to figure out what they need to do with him moving forward. Yeah. I mean, if he is their guy, and like if I had to pick between Tua or Jalen Hurts, I think I've got more confidence in Jalen Hurts at this point. For sure, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so we'll see. But I, I'm really high on the Philadelphia Eagles heading into next season. Uh, number three team in the NFC, it's the Green Bay Packers, and. Again, at the top of the power structure of the NFC, I feel like all of these teams could kind of be interchangeable here. Um, I'm just not willing to discount the Packers, even with you know the changes that they've had this offseason. I do think their defense is going to be really good. Um, the question marks at pass catcher are concerning, but it's just like, it's Aaron Rodgers. And we've seen the last two seasons, Aaron Rodgers is operating at as high a level as he's ever operated in his NFL career, which is insane at his age and at this stage of his career. Like he he just looks as efficient, as accurate, as dominating as he ever has. And I'm not going to discount that. I'm not going to discredit that because of his pass catchers, because I think they still have enough to figure it out. Like there's still enough on the offense to get it figured out. Obviously, losing Devontae Adams is a huge blow, but we'll see how they develop guys. We'll see what happens with Christian Watson. I think Alan Lazard is going to have like a huge role in the offense this year and their running game. I, I think is, is going to be really good with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And I think they maybe they'll lean on that more this year. If they're, if they're struggling with their pass catchers a little bit, I, I just think the defensive side of the ball, especially is going to be enough in, in a week NFC North to just keep them at the top and still keep them like a, a top two to three seed in the NFC. You look at their defensive side of the ball, just their depth chart, their weakest dude in like a nickel look in terms of like from a production perspective, right? It's probably Darnell Savage, who's been a solid pick for them and was a first round selection. So like I, I think this team's gonna be really talented on that side of the ball. I a couple injuries, right? They they don't have a ton of depth. A couple injuries could change a lot defensively for them. Um offensively. Back-to-back MVP, quarterback under center. He just won an MVP after getting COVID and breaking his toe and having to rehab. He wasn't practicing last year, right? Like, people forget that, too. So, like, being able to get some reps with some of these younger guys, maybe that's why they haven't developed. Maybe that's why a guy like an Amari Rodgers hasn't been able to take the next step. Um, that, that could be a difference there. 
the tackle situation worries me a little bit. You know, uh, Elton Jenkins is probably going to start the season on PUP. He tore his ACL last year. David Bakhtiari tore his ACL two seasons ago, hasn't played a full game since. Um, he still, uh, through minicamp, was not practicing with the team. That's kind of a red flag for me. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on there, but if he's not ready to go day one of training camp, I immediately would start flagging the Packers as like, oh, worry, worry about this situation. Yasha Nyman is a good tackle, swing tackle coming off of the bench. But if, you know, there's a big difference between Yash Nyman and David Bakhtiari, with all due respect to Yash Nyman, who's probably going to get a starting job uh, this upcoming uh, uh, free agency period. I don't really worry about the pass catchers that much, man. Like I, I've seen Rodgers lead the league in touchdowns with James Jones out there in a hoodie running around. Like I'm really not that worried. You got an incredible backfield. You got a great defense. You got a really solid offensive line. I don't care who's catching passes. I really don't. I mean, if they have to, just split Aaron Jones out wide and put AJ Dillon in the backfield. They've like, talked Jones, about that. Perfectly fine pass catcher. And they they want to get him on the field at the same time. And that's not really a that's not really a personnel set a ton of teams use. Like the Colts use it a little bit with like Hines and Taylor. The Saints obviously split out Kamara a good amount and use you know a true running back in the backfield. The Packers haven't really done it all that much, but the way that they've talked about it this season and you know the reports that have come out from OTAs and uh, minicamp, they're really trying to get him on the field at the same time. So I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing that at all. I know A.J. Dillon, I liked it some fantasy stuff a couple weeks ago. A.J. Dillon is like the number one drafted, like RB2, like uh, in in uh, redrafts right now. So, yeah, I mean, he's you got to be able to feed him the ball at some point. It's not like they need to run the ball to move the ball down the field when they have Rodgers under center, so. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that we're going to see A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field uh, a fair amount this upcoming season. And I'm just not willing to bet against Aaron Rodgers with the way that he's been operating the last couple of years. Like he's just been absolutely insane. So I I still think the Packers are going to be right in the mix there. And my number two team in the NFC This is where I kind of flip flopped a little bit, too. Um, I chose the Los Angeles Rams defending Super Bowl champions and. I still think the Rams are going to be very good. Um, you know, they lost Von Miller, they lost Odell Beckham, but you know, they, they still have the guys that they need in place and the guys that helped them get there uh, other than, you know, those late season acquisition veteran players, which those guys are always going to be available. Um, those are always guys that you can try to add mid season, the trade deadline or, or guys that get cut or whatever. And they'll still be an appealing enough team that they're always going to attract players like that. So that's something that is always going to be available to them. I just, the core is still there. Cooper cup is still really good. I know Andrew Whitworth retired and that's concerning um, because he's been so important to their offensive line, but I still think that Stafford is going to be really good. We'll see what they get in cam acres. I think that Allen Robinson, I'm a big believer in him bouncing back. Um, I don't think that Allen Robinson is totally washed up yet. I think Allen Robinson just had zero interest in being in the city of Chicago last year. And so I think that he could have a really nice bounce back season. And then, you know, they still have the star power on defense. Like they still have the guys that you need at the positions that you need and Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. So I, I just think that the Rams are still going to be a huge problem, especially e- even in the tough NFC West. I worry about the Super Bowl hangover for the Rams. They have been drunk bit. for several months. They've it's, it's like super- actively been drunk. I, I'm I'm not totally with you on the Allen Robinson thing. I, I want to see it before I totally commit to it. You know, this is year two and three 
of, of the investment of Tutu Atwell and Van Jefferson spending two second round picks on those guys. I don't know how much they're going to get from that. Joe Notaboom is now playing left tackle instead of Andrew Whitworth. The Logan Bruss selection being their first pick of that draft is surprising to me. I mean, he was a guy I'd watched. Um, I thought he was like a fifth round pick. He's the first selection of this draft. Um, their backfield, don't love it. Last time we saw Cam Akers, he was averaging like two yards per carry. Bobby Wagner is a little watched. They just they they get they gave money to him. Jalen Ramsey's coming off of shoulder surgery. Like this is a very talented team, but I think this is a pretty clear team that is taking a step back at the same time, right? And I'm always worried about those type of situations. So I like the Rams. I like them to win the West. I like them to make the playoffs. I I just like gun in my head, Packers, Rams. I'm taking Packers over in those type of situations. I could see a situation where the Eagles are better than that, right? Like if, if Hertz is, takes that step up, I think you look at the rosters and you're like, yeah, the Rams have a lot of stout power, but it feels really at this point feels a lot stars and scrubs. It feels like those late uh, Atlanta Falcons teams where it's like you have Matt Ryan and Julio and guys like that, but you, you only have a handful of them. Yeah. And, and I agree with you there. Um, and yeah, they have just been drunk for months on end, it seems like. So we'll see how that's affecting him. Oh, and Matthew Stafford hasn't been throwing uh, recently. Oh, yeah. He's been getting shot up in the <laughs> arm, hasn't been able to throw so, a ball for three months. I forgot about that until right now. So now I am kind of feel like maybe I should have put the Packers as the two seed, but it's too late. Um, Rams, number two seed in the NFC. I still think they're going to be really good. But yeah, again, the NFC is a weird conference next season. So I feel like a lot of these teams could just kind of move around um, in the rankings, but this is how I'm viewing it at the moment. So my number one seed in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, again, I don't think the Bucks have a perfect roster, but I still think that they've got enough talent and Tom Brady was still operating at a high level last season. Like I think Tom Brady is still very good. We'll see if, the cliff ever actually comes for Tom Brady. Uh, maybe it is going to at some point, but he hasn't shown any signs of that yet. Like his play hasn't declined in any significant way that you're like, Oh no, he, at the end is near. Like he's still, you're still just like, okay, oh, yeah. maybe that dude is going to play until he's 50 years old. And we'll see if Chris Godwin's going to be healthy at the start of the season. Uh, um, you know, he's coming off the ACL injury, so he might not be ready to go, but they had a Russell Gage brought back Bashad Perryman. They still have Tyler Johnson. Like they've got bodies there that could contribute with Mike Evans. No Gronk, obviously, but Cameron Braid is still like a serviceable pass catcher. And they've got some intriguing running backs outside of Leonard Fournette and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White. So we'll see what they have there. I think their offensive line is still going to be really good. Um, the big question mark I have for them on defense is really going to be pass rush but they add Logan Hall in the draft and, and then they still have Shaq Barrett. So we'll, we'll see. I still think that top to bottom, they still have a very talented roster. I've just got a few more questions about them overall that I haven't had over the last couple of years. They added team Hicks too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about you, like, that's what makes me really worried about Tampa. I think that defense is going to be really good. I think, yeah. I, if Todd Bowles would have still been the DC, I think he would have gotten another head coach job after this year, just with the talent that they have out there right now. Uh, they're not going to get as banged up in the secondary, as you know, knock on wood, as they were last season, which is you know a big deal for them. Offensively, right, the Chris Godwin questions are, are going to linger, but they have a great offensive line. 
like you said, Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, I think is going to help them in the passing game a little bit more. You know, their tight end situation, they did just lose Gronk, but, like, it wasn't like Gronk was playing 95% of the snaps or anything. And they have Cameron Bray, Kate Outen. They just, they just drafted Coquif, which I can't believe is an actual name. Um, so it seems like they kind of knew what was coming at the tight end situation. So I really do like them. I, I have Green Bay and Tampa at the top two teams, you know, in, in the NFC in general and, you know, the most talented teams. I'm a Packers fan. The team I'm most worried about this season, just like last season and the season before, is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. How many how many forty uh, touchdown seasons do you think Tom Brady Tom Brady's had in his career? Two, three. Do you know three. how many have come as as a Buccaneer? Two, two. The only so like when you when you say like yeah Tom Brady, you know he hasn't fallen off yet. No, his best seasons are coming right now. Like that's absurd to think about. Like the only, the only passing season where he's had more touchdowns than he's had as a Buccaneer, you know, with the Patriots, was that Randy Moss season where they were just going bonkers and they, they went undefeated in the regular season. That's the only one. That's it. Yeah, it's they're set up to still be a huge problem, and yeah, I just don't. It's unprecedented what Tom Brady is doing. Like there's. You're you saw I, I just remember like when Peyton Manning declined, it was overnight. It was like, oh, oh yeah. no, he's he's done. Like he oh, had no. his ass in the pistol. He up. legit could not yeah. go under center. Yeah. Like it was you just you saw it happen overnight and you were like, Oh, it's over. It's over. He can't he can't throw the football anymore. And Tom Brady has shown no signs of that. Like Tom Brady is really in Tampa and you know, Mike Evans is probably a big part of it and his pass catchers and stuff there, but like Tom Brady is not afraid to just sling it downfield to Mike Evans. Like we saw, they almost beat the Rams in that playoff game last year on a, on a late fourth quarter, deep touchdown pass from Tom Brady. Like he's still just that quarterback. He is a seven time Super Bowl champion, man. I I will, I will never doubt this guy to the, to the end of my life. And people are going to say rings and you know what? They're right. They're right. This, this guy will not quit. He's 44 years old. Yeah. And I think he's going to go to Miami after next season too. So he is, he is. Who who was it that said one of his former teammates was in the media saying, I don't think he's going to quit until he gets 10 rings. Get him out of here. I can't do three more seasons of this. Yeah. At some point the NFL is just going to have to be like, dude, come on, man. Where you were, uh, you were supposed to retire like a generation ago. <laughs> like, like we got a whole new generation of quarterbacks. Like Eli's not here anymore. Peyton's not here anymore. Ben's not here anymore. You got to get out of here, Tom. You got you got to let some of these other guys chase some glory here. This is absolutely ridiculous. But those are uh, 2023 NFL playoff predictions. I want to give you one more, one sleeper. Okay. Our Detroit Lions. See, Our Detroit Lions is the seventh seed. I considered the Detroit Lions. You I'm not willing to say it. I'm not willing to say playoff team yet. I'm not there yet. You can talk me into it. You get man Campbell. It's with them. So you mentioned a couple of teams like I gotta see it first. I got I gotta get like a couple weeks of the season <laughs> with the Lions. I, I just gotta cause it's you gotta see Dan Campbell's third NFL win. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I got to see them be competitive with a couple of teams early in the year. And then I'll be like, all right, let's go. Let's go Detroit. I'll, I'll ride the lines. Let's, let's do it. 
but I'm excited to watch my Lions this year. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been more excited to watch an NFC North team that's not the Packers as a Packers fan than I am watching this Lions team this year. I do actually know one Detroit Lions fan, and I I saw him last week, and I was trying to convince him, like, dude have faith in your lions this season. This is the year. Like it, <laughs> they, they finally made the right moves this off season. Like they finally actually like built on to something that showed promise last year. Like they, they, they went against the opposite of what the Detroit lions always do. And it actually made logical sense and made them a better football team. And he's still just like, no, I'm not going to, they have it. the foundation restore <laughs> the roar, restore yeah. the roar. Yeah. So uh, it would be very fun for football if the Detroit Lions make the playoffs. So I'm definitely rooting for that, but uh, I'm not ready to go there just yet. But thank you guys for listening to this week's edition of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.